And my brothers, they would blast the rock and roll when my parents weren't home. So <laughs> there was a lot of music going on. This is the Wisconsin Music Podcast, episode 001. Welcome to the first episode of Wisconsin Music Podcast. I am your host, Zach Fell. Today's guest is Peggy James. James has a new album out called Paint Still Wet. And we're going to talk with her and her producer, Jim Anelli, on the process of recording her newest album, as well as promotion and touring. She was originally born in Wisconsin, and she's going to tell us that story about moving to Texas, and now she's back here in Wisconsin promoting her new album, Paint Still Wet. Welcome, Peggy and Jim, to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Thank you. Um, it's an honor to be your first guest. And I'm honored to have you guys here. It's such a pleasure. Let's start with your origin story. You were born in Wisconsin, correct? Yes, Milwaukee. And how long did you live in Wisconsin until you moved to Texas? Well, about 10 years. I was 10 years old, and uh, they were here a long time, my my parents. But uh, when I was 10, the city bought the land that our house was on, and they were going to build that freeway that never happened. And the pick and save is there now. So every time I drive by it, I say, my house was under the pick and save. (laughs) (laughs) So my dad wanted to go out west because his brother Gene was out there in uh, in Phoenix. And he kept saying, oh, it's dry air out there. Got to come out. We got a pool. (laughs) So we made the big change. It was quite a, a drastic change, too, in culture and weather and plants. Yeah, it's definitely a different atmosphere down there for sure. Is anybody else in your family musical, or is it just you? No, I well, my dad used to play in the, all kinds of bands, uh, like the marching bands and you know school bands, uh, and he played a lot of different instruments. And then he kind of took up the guitar, and he bought me my first guitar and taught me my first three chords and. My mom would always play gospel music, gospel albums, those quartets that, that were really cool at the time, like the Revelators. Uh, and my brothers, they would blast the rock and roll when my parents weren't home. So, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of music going on. I have a similar story where I grew up in a musical family as well. My dad is a professional drummer, and I remember growing up, going out and seeing him play live. Um, throughout Racine, and, you know, it just molds you in a certain way to just, you know, keep that that love for music to keep going. is just just something that we can really cherish for sure. Right. It, uh, it's just a good legacy to have that, you know. And it gets into you. It really does get into you. You know, all those uh, old songs, sometimes you just start singing them, and they become a a part of your repertoire as far as genres go and stuff. So it's a good background. Absolutely. I mean, all these, you know, influences that we soak up consciously and unconsciously, and it just helps us develop as a musician in our own right. Exactly, yeah. So down in Texas, what kind of music were you being influenced by? Country Western out there, so I heard a lot of that. So do you think that Country Western is a big influence, or... Are you drawing from a lot of different genres to create what you're 
doing? Yeah, um, I I guess it is a big part of me. I I like to write country western, um, Spanish western, but that's I don't just stick to that. I'm not. I don't consider myself like a country singer. So it's everything. Yeah. I wouldn't classify you as a country western only singer as well. You listening to your album, I can tell you're drawing from multiple different genres and styles. So elaborate a little bit more on that for us. Yes, um, that's kind of like, that's the way my signature is as far as uh, writing songs. I have, uh, even the last three albums, every song is a little bit different. I like to mix it up like that. And that's great because I think a lot of listeners want to hear variety when they go and listen to a musician. So what do you consider your main instrument? Is it your guitar? Yes, and my voice. consider it my second instrument, if not the first. Do you play any other instruments? Sometimes I fool around with a guitar uke. Uh, it's a good songwriting instrument. But no, I well, I learned piano when I was young. My aunt was a teacher, but... I didn't go all the way with that. I wish I would have, but I learned enough that I really learned how melodies fit together in notes. And I think that really is subconsciously uh, a base for my uh, melodies that I write. Yeah, a piano is a great tool for songwriting for sure. Things that I've heard over the years is that piano is like an orchestra underneath your fingers. Now, Gary Tannen of Daystar Music did the mastering for this album. Let's talk about your relationship with him. He's worked on your last two albums, correct? Yes, this album and the one before. Well, I met Gary through Jim, who has been long-time friends with him. I lost count of how many years I've known Gary. Yeah, about 15 years. Um, we actually were in like a trio um, at one point, Mike Cashew and Jim and I. Uh, we played some gigs out. And um, and then uh, I didn't know that Jim had a recording studio, so we started recording my songs. And then, uh, you know, we this is uh, our third album together. Well, that's great. And you can tell that Gary did an excellent job on the mastering. So, Jim, when you and Peggy are writing, um, what do you do to help her get from the beginning to the end of a song? Uh, that's a complicated, complicated question, Zach. Well, we, I try to keep it um, very simple to start. So we'll just find a tempo and we'll lay down the basic outline, the voice and the acoustic guitar. So we call that our little outline. And then we kind of put it away for a couple of days. Maybe we'll do another outline if she's got songs to bring to the table. And then we'll come back to the outline. We'll think, well, what kind of song is this? And you know, does it need, um, you know, a school band orchestra? Or does it need a jazz piano? Or does it need, uh, you know, a heavy guitar? Is it blues? So we try to, um, and you know, as a recording engineer, producer, there's always that little saying in the back of your head, serve the song. Serve. Don't, 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 like, try to put your ego into it just because you happen to be a shredder that you're going to, Oh, it's got to have a shredding solo. <laughs> Serve the song, bring the message across, and stay out of the way. But make it interesting. But stay out of the way and make it a, a you know, a, a, I like treating songs like 
like cinematic, the classic. I just want them to be played and heard, you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now. And somebody would think, wow, that was, that's a beautiful song. I get it. That's a great way of looking at it and a really good way of explaining how you approach songwriting and song creation. And what do you think about influences, like songs that you listen to and then you feel that influences your writing? We can't deny our influences. If I happen to play like this way or that way, it kind of, it kind of comes out. Um, and, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel, so people will try to put a label on it. That's fine. We're just, we're just doing what we do, and it's uh, kind of like an artistic freedom. It's, in the old days, the record company said, well, you know, you're a blues band. you got to make a blues record. Right. Well, we don't have that pressure, so we can treat each song and serve each song and just make it, um, just make it happen. Right. You have the freedom to be creative. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's talk about your first gig, Peggy. Well, it was kind of interesting with me because I wrote a bunch of songs, and then I was fortunate enough to have a couple people who believed in me and my music. So they supported me, and I actually played, uh, I actually recorded before I played out. I did the first album that I've ever done in the studio, and that was brand new. And um, so then my first producer, Mike Hoffman, I don't know if you know him. I have not met him. Mike Hoffman. He, he was one of the best producers in Milwaukee at the time. And the people who were supporting me got in touch with him, and then we worked through some songs, and we recorded an album. And... And then for a brief period of time, he was actually, we, I played out with him for the first time. And my cousin, Chris Wolfram and Kirk McFarlane from Cherry Cake, okay. we had a quartet. We played out a few times, but I wasn't really, I was going through a difficult time at that time. So that didn't last very long. Um, and then we, we formed a, another band uh, called Peggy James Band. It was all original music and Scott Finch, Mike Cashew, and Greg Slavic played with me. So we were like another quartet. And that was uh, my main working band for a couple of years. But besides that, I played with a lot of different uh, musicians, and I was really fortunate to get to know everybody. I mean, they just kind of took me in, kind of like the, the old days in Nashville, you know, where everybody's a friend and they're trying to help you out. I, uh, I really found the right people, and uh, that's how my career started. Looking back at one of those major groups that you were a part of, what do you think you learned from being in that group? Well, it's just uh, playing together in time, and, you know, it's not like being a folk singer and you're just kind of winging it freestyle all by yourself. I did a lot of that before, too. Um, I, I played at the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville and the Third Cafe down there. And uh, it's a lot more fun playing with musicians in, in a rock band. Yeah. You, you know, it carries you along rather than just being a solo song, singer-songwriter. Um, I think it's very enjoyable. Yeah, you just can't replace those experiences. And speaking of experiences, now that you're on your fifth album, looking back through all the albums that you have done, what do you think is the top three things that you learned from 
going from your first album to now your new album, Paint Still Wet? When I first began, I didn't know anything about recording. So basically, I let everybody else tell me what to do. And because I was so new at it, I just, I didn't know really what I wanted out of the music and the songs. So, uh, you know, they decided to do it faster, and I thought it was too fast. I just never really was a part of the recording um, process. But then I, I think I've really grown in that sense where now I know um, different processes very well, and I, I know my vocals uh, a lot better. Um, I know how to exercise and to sing in different kinds of ways that are more expressive. So, and actually, with a, a microphone, too, there's an art to, to working with some microphone. What advice would you give musicians that haven't gone into a recording studio yet or are actually going to record at home during um, our pandemic? What advice would you give them before they even start their project? I would say, number one, you have to find a good producer who likes your music. You know, don't just walk into a recording studio. You need a good producer, which um, hopefully you will find. And uh, be sure that before you go into the recording studio, you know where you're going with the songs. And that, you know, because you're going to have so many days that you have to produce the product, and you got to be ready, ready to give it to the, you know, for the album. And then just relax and have fun and enjoy the time because it's really a wonderful thing to be able to record. It's one of my favorite things. So if we can even um, narrow down even more about the recording process for you, what part of recording is most enjoyable for you? I love singing. That always feels good. But I love, I love hearing it back, like the when it's put together, it's so much fun to hear it, you know. And now it's no longer just in your head, but it's actually something you can listen to and others can listen to. Exactly. You know, you have all these parts that you put together. You have this song in your head, and then once you get it recorded and you listen back, it's just like, it's better than I ever thought. What were you doing before, and what are you going to do presently to promote your music and yourself to new fans? Well, before, um, I did a, a lot of different gigs. Um, I did South by Southwest in Austin, um, mainly doing kind of rock songs and things, and uh, local bars at one time. There was a big uh, original music scene on the east side. And I played Shank Hall and Victor's and different bars. And But my favorite uh, venues are listening venues. Like, uh, play that Theater X. I don't know if you remember Theater X. No, I don't know of that one. They had a very cool um, room with um, seats that went up and the sound was really good. And then I played at the Cooler Arts Center and that was, it's the same kind of beautiful room where you could hear everything. And, and when you have a room like that, you're, you can just let 
you can sing in a way you can't sing if it's a noisy place, you know. Really let your and perform with your voice better. Yeah, it's just amazing what acoustics can do to elevate your performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I did play Summerfest a couple times, but um, I prefer uh, smaller venues like that and listening type of environments. That's kind of how, because my songs are full of stories and, you know, they require a little bit of listening to as far as following the story right and speaking of venues before covid hit what were your approaches to getting yourself into these venues to perform well uh sometimes a friend a musician friend will play at a certain place and they'll ask me to join in with them or you know lately we've been spending a lot of time recording so we're not really focusing on being performing artists right now. I I just love recording so much that I'm already thinking about the next album. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm probably going to spend the next year writing songs. We're not real people. We'll probably never, ever play out, and people won't know what we look like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think of it like if, if you put, you look at a, a painting by a very well-known artist, Pick any artist, Rembrandt, Picasso, and they, and you say, okay, now we're going to put you in a van with six other artists and drive around the country. You'll never sleep. You'll eat really lousy food, but we need you to get up and paint your masterpieces in front of, of 800 people a night. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of fancy ourselves recording artists at this time, and that's okay. And I mean, the COVID is just really changed the dynamic of, you know, logistically about getting out there and playing. So, you know, if it dies down, we'll, if Peggy's open to it, we'll figure out a way to put a band together and then do it. So it'd be kind of fun. Yeah. But we're just, because of this situation, we're just really, um, really going deep into the making some music. And it's been just great because we just don't have to rush through it. It's interesting when you can slow things down, take a step back, and just look at everything and go, okay, what do I need to focus on right now since I can't control the things that are out of my hands? That's right. And it's, just a, it's just another way of doing the same thing. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just different. Right. And you mentioned that you enjoy the recording process so much that you are going to be recording a new album. Are you starting from scratch, or are you digging into older songs that you've written and kind of revisiting them? I'm starting from scratch. Um, I'm taking a little break now and we're focusing on interviews and PR and um, radio play and reviews. So uh, right now, you know, I'm on Facebook, uh, Peggy Jane's musician, and um, we're getting our music out there so that people, when I do have a gig, you know, people will want to come and they'll know about me. So that's kind of what I'm working on now. And when you're going to write these songs, let's talk about your songwriting process. Is it going to be you, Peggy, just writing the songs, or are you going to be co-writing with Jim? I, I have never been a co-writer. I can't co-write. Um, my brain just doesn't work that way. And so, no, we don't write together. I write the song, 
and then I go take it to Jim, and he, you know, plays along a little bit, and then we just work out the arrangement, like where is the chorus going to be, the solo, beginning, ending, intro, you know. Okay. Um, and then we just have that outline like Jim was talking about. And uh, But as far as the words go, you know, I write songs kind of together with the guitar. It kind of comes together, the melody and the words. I just have to find a quiet spot to to write. And usually if I have that time, I get a song that way. I don't know where it comes from, you know. Okay. But <laughs> I grab it. Yeah, I mean, every singer, songwriter has different ways of being influenced. Can you talk a little bit about how influences or how things around you influence your songwriting? Usually I observe, I do a lot of observation of people and places, and then something will always kind of inspire me to write something about that, what I've seen or felt. Yeah. And I just come up with the first line of the song and the basic melody and then, you know, just keep adding to that. And, uh, but as you see in this album that we just made, there were a lot of situations. I, I traveled to, you know, San Diego and different situations there. I observed uh, the homeless man and, you know, Fallen Star, that song. And, you know, if it sticks with me, if a, a theme sticks with me, then I use that to write the song. So actually, let's listen to a uh, track off your album, Paint Still Wet. And you just mentioned Falling Star. So let's take a listen to Falling Star, and then we can talk about um, the story behind it. San Diego 
That was Fallen Star by Peggy James. So Peggy, why don't you give us the history behind writing this song? I went to San Diego with my uh, family and we were driving around the city and getting a tour from my son-in-law who lived there for, he actually was born there and everything. So we were getting quite a colorful tour of the city and there was a man walking down the street with a suit on, very good looking, and uh, he was going through the garbage. And there were other people on the street, seemed like they were kind of mentally ill. Um, but the scene got stuck in my head, and I wondered about his life and, you know, how he ended up there. And I wanted to write a song, a compassionate song about his situation and how we need to understand that people get themselves in bad places sometimes and we need to be compassionate for them, not judge them. But so that's what the song is about. And I, of course, I made up the whole story about him, although I don't know him. Right. <laughs> but, 
I wanted to, um, you know, just show that he had a life one, you know, he had a life at one time too. Yeah. I mean, what was it? But I just kind of created it. Yeah, in it's song. just it's interesting where we grab our inspiration for songs, whether what happens around us or what we observe in life. Let's play another song and talk about the story behind that one. What song would you like us to play next? Here is off of her new album, Paint Still Wet, with the song Sailor Knots. Had my heart tied up in sailor knots, sailor knots. Break loose. I tried a lot, tried a lot. I watched the gulls above gliding on the wind. I wish that wind would carry me. Me and my friends out. Me and my prayers out to sea Like a tree that stands in the open, in the open Gently on the cloud 
And that was Sailor Knots by Peggy James off of her new album, Paint Still Wet. So give us the history behind this song. A woman who feels kind of uh, tied up. She's not free. And I actually wrote this song after I read about the story of the king of Dubai and his wife. I don't know if you know that story, how she fled to England. Yeah, I think I remember hearing about that. Right, and her daughter was the one who made a video before she ran away. And it's kind of about her. Um, And it's not a, a nice story, but it shows how, you know, some women aren't, they don't have the freedom to speak certain places. They are underneath a shroud. They're, the voice is not allowed, you know. Um, and I just really felt bad for for her. And she ended up in prison when she was caught running away. And I think she's still there. She's not doing well. And so one of the lines is, hey, mama, can you save me now? an inspiration to me to write a song about about that whole story. And unfortunately, there's so many women out there with similar stories, and and we need people like you to bring those stories to the surface so people at least try to understand what some of these women have been going through. Right. Well, it's good that you are bringing this to the surface for a lot of people to get to know what's going on. Well, let's talk about the great musicians that you have on your new album. Yes, we sure do. Daryl Sturmer from the Phil Collins Band, Genesis. Uh, he did the solo guitar on track four, which is San Antonio. Um, we have Jim Liban that plays a beautiful harmonica part on Head Over Heels. Excellent. Um yeah, he's awesome. He he kept going higher and higher with his harp, and he just when you thought he couldn't go any higher, he does. We have uh, Johnny Calarco on our drums and percussion. Uh, and some of the songs we had Victor Spann, and we had Connie Grower play the beautiful piano piece on uh, "I Can't Be Lonely Anymore." We had Guy Ferentini, who is a wonderful bass player, uh, that also was on track four. And then Little Rev, he played harmonica on the first song, and the youth too. 
uh, on the first song, Let's Fly Away. And then we had a guest uh, violinist from Buffalo, New York, come oh. um, and do the violin. Oh. Anna Buffay Anna is her name. And she played on the first track and uh, track number 10, which is... Um, oh, so. Yeah, the, she played in that bad kind of bridge there and she did a beautiful part on that yeah yeah just listening to this album i can just hear lots of talent and lots of great musicianship on here your playing and singing is phenomenal and the production is done very well there's nothing really missing or added to make it more than what it is i think everything that's on there seems to be on there for a reason thank you yeah we like it <laughs> we're really happy with the finished product yeah you know, that goes back to <clears throat> getting out of your own way and serving the song. I mean, I've got a tremendous ego, and I like I would like to do things, but sometimes I think, no, nah, you better not do that, because then it's just going to sound like a, a lot of you, and it, it'll just, you know, cover up the, the beauty of the song and the sentiment of the song. So, again, um, when you listen to classic recordings, you think it almost sounds like, there's no one person really just, you know, riding the helm and taking all the, all the glory, as it were. It, it becomes like a very beautiful collective effort. Yeah. I call it the glide. I call it the glide. You know, when that song just glides along and it just soars. And that's the feeling we're trying to get. But it doesn't hurt to be good at He's very tasteful in his um, guitar playing and instruments that he adds to it, so... I now that I know him better, I kind of let you know. I give him the song, and I do my part of it. But I kind of give him free reign with whatever his ideas are, and I think I like ninety nine percent of them. Yeah. If I don't like it, very seldom I'll say nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Zach, Zach, you'll get to a point you'll be producing someone, and this happened with Peggy and I. It's like I laid down this really really cool double guitar part that took me days and days and then I go, what do you think? She goes, eh, I don't, I don't think so, she said. I don't think so. I just was like, oh, okay. So get ready for that. Yeah, I've actually had some of the experience when we were doing our first album and, and yep, there was lots of things where like, oh, that would be cool and then when you put it in, it's like, no, it's just not serving the song. So we always had to make sure that what we did was for the song. But like I said, it was very, very seldom with Jim. And, and then I feel so bad. Like, I know how much time he put into it, but I know it's not the right one. And then so we find something after that that is just amazing. And I never really, everything usually came pretty easy for me. But on this record, Zach, I'm telling you, talk about the cliche of suffering for one's art. Sometimes when I was pulling my hair out for days and I thought, I'm just going to give up. Yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I can never do this. I was ready to throw it in the trash. You know? I think a lot of us have been there before, just like, man, it was so good, but it just doesn't fit. And then you realize later, I had to go through that just to get to where I am now. Exactly. Exactly. If it's too easy, it's not going to be good. I've learned that. Right. And now that you are done with this album, you were talking earlier about doing the next one already after you take a little bit of a break. So 
what are some of the things you're doing to promote this album besides um, doing like my podcast and other podcasts and um, social media? Well, just getting the music out there, and it's so fun to get, like, we just got a review from Italy, and they loved it. And we got a review from Belgium, and they're like, when are you going to come and play live here? (laughs) (laughs) So um, that and radio play, I I really, my goal was always I wanted radio play, because I thought my songs were pretty good, and they deserved to be heard. I was going to say, are you guys talking to radio stations now to to get it on there, or have you been played on the radio? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. uh, You know, we hired a publicist this time around because we figured this album is pretty darn good, so let's throw down some money and hire a publicist to get us out there. So far, we're being played on WATL and... Appleton and a station in Burlington, WBSD, I think. And uh, Burlington's an interesting market. I think there's, if I'm not mistaken, there's um, there a college there, but there seems to be an interesting market. It's kind of the bridge to Chicago. It's kind of the bridge to the bigger market down there. So we and we're getting airplay in other places too. Um, so we're just start. It's just started, you know. It was just actually released September 18th, so there's other things that are going to come up. Um, we're hoping to be on Lake Effect. They said they were going to wait to schedule that. But the real goal is to make $18.36 in downloads. Taylor Swift is complaining about royalty money and airplay money. We're not going to have a good go of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody seems to be making money but the artists. What else are we? Doing? Well, we're gonna we're gearing up. We're gonna we're still immersed in in uh, just trying to promote what we got, but we're gonna probably develop a uh, different things to sell all of five albums. Facebook live show. Okay. So we're kind of working on it. It's on the back burner, but it's gonna happen. A video maybe, and then uh, we're on you know CD Baby. Have you guys thought about doing like a virtual tip jar during like live streaming on? Facebook or Instagram. Our friend Little Rev is—he's really into that, so he's going to walk us through it and try to help us out with that. But he does a lot of shows on his own, um, and he has the you know the PayPal link, and yeah, it's it's a good way. It's I mean it's a blessing for in this day and age where musicians can't play out at a place, but they can do it from home and actually have money come to them. I mean, it's a way of keeping the the artistic and musical musician community uh, floating, and it's awesome. Yeah, today's technology is just amazing what we can accomplish. So let's do one more track. Let's do the last track off the album, Getting Serious. Thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having us on your show. It was really fun talking to you, and thank you for supporting our music. It was my pleasure. It's a great album. So everybody, make sure you check out Peggy's new album, Paint Still Wet. I would also like to thank the composer of our podcast music, Nate Wyckoff. Nate is the mixing and recording engineer at Frequency Farm Recording in Wisconsin. i also like to thank Gary Tannen of Daystorm Music for introducing me to Peggy and Jim. And also our sponsor, ZTF Studio. So go to ztfstudio.com if you need any professional mixing done. 
you also can get you in contact with Gary Tannen of Daystar Music, who is also a great mastering engineer. Coming up next week is an interview with Tim and Al of Fat Function. Fat Function is a Madison-based funk band that's been around since 1996. They've gotten to travel to Japan twice, and we're going to talk about touring and recording albums. We'll see you next time. And we're going to have Peggy James take us out with her last track of her new album. It's called Getting Serious. Sweet.